Hello, this is Pam Electric Ghost. Hello. So I want to make sure I get your name right. So yeah, you, is it Tamsin Otway or, or do I, I want to make sure I did that right? Yeah, that's perfect. Okay, that's great. how you say it. Great. So I'm glad to invite you on the show. Uh, we're Pam Electric Ghost. We're an indie artist ourselves, but we're also a podcaster. We've been podcasting since 2018. We've just reached a market of about 28,000 listeners worldwide. And, um, you know, we're trying to grow that all the time. But we're glad to talk to you. You're in Melbourne right now, right? Yeah, Melbourne. Thanks for having me, by the way. Well, that's great. Yeah, we're, we're excited. We know you have a new release. I guess here in the U.S., it's still not out. <laughs> um, yeah. But Fallen <laughs> Angel, yeah, we've done the pre-save for it. And we, we uh... listened. <laughs> <laughs> and we listen to your uh, private link, but and we've been listening to a lot of your other material that's on Spotify already. But um, yeah, we'll probably go through um, our questions, but maybe we'll talk a little bit about Fallen Angel first, since that's your latest release. Um, yeah, sure. So can you kind of talk about it from your promo pictures? You're 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 holding your guitar, looks like a Fender. Um, yeah. Is that a Strat or Telecaster? Uh, Telecaster. Telecaster. So, so is this song, um, maybe talk about how you came to Fallen Angel and maybe tell the folks a little bit about like how you, um, what your, your, sorry, I think you just Can you hear cut me? out you for a second. Okay. Yeah. So I was yeah. just wanting yeah, to I got ask you. about like, you know, the history behind the song and how you came to it. Um, the song kind of came from a place where. Well, it, it has kind of like a dark begin, beginning. So I have been in some like abusive, toxic relationships, mm. right? And afterwards, I, you know, when you kind of put in like a really dark spot and then you kind of start doing dark things and becoming a dark mm. person yourself. And it's kind of about like being in that dark space for a long time and like losing yourself. And then, like, finally realizing, like, that you haven't really been yourself and you're fighting your way out of it and you kind of get your self-worth back. So that's kind of what, like, the real story is behind it. Um, but then the playful kind of thing that I have with it is it just, it's kind of like a Kill yeah. Bill story, if you want to, you know, like, put a, yeah, put a fun yeah. spin on things. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino, like, she's out with her samurai sword and she's fighting for redemption, yeah, you know? Yeah, I got that whole scene, you know, where she's wearing the Bruce Lee, <laughs> like, outfit. They kind of look, yeah, that's the cool thing about Kill Bill is that, you know, it's kind of got this ode to, you know, Bruce Lee. Uh, and, and but it's, you know, a female lead is, is carrying that kind of samurai um, attitude. And then it's kind of like you're out there like yeah. running, you know, you're out there but being this like, you know, samurai person without a without somebody a master. You know, you're out there just like being this like kind of I don't know, like you get a lone gunman like Clint Eastwood used to play in this sp spaghetti west. Yeah, yeah. Kind of got the anti hero. You know, there's some there's something you know, yeah. the anti hero is always more interesting than a goody two shoes. <laughs> 
exactly like there's something dark about her she's you know no yeah. one's perfect in this world and it's kind of like yeah that, that's an interesting that, place to be because I, I actually had a project called dark ghost and i said and i actually you know you know love's kind of like you know a dark ghost like a, a soul that you shouldn't move toward because it affects you badly it makes you kind of go into that dark realm so i've kind of played with that idea myself um so yeah i totally get it and it's kind of you you do have a uh this kind of yeah. like um i don't know like dark pop kind of vibe if, if, if you know that genre that's kind of cool so it's yeah. kind, of, kind of it's got that feel so maybe we're going to go backwards a little bit and ask you how you first got into yeah i feel like it's a kind of like this single is definitely a mix between like maybe yeah. Billie Eilish and Alana Del Rey yeah, type mention. vibe going on and you got that kind of vibe you got this kind of California dark Hollywood thing <laughs> um. yay I love that I always wanted yeah, to be you a California got that girl um, it's that a film noir kind of feel you know that you kind of get this idea there's like you're you're bringing up all these like dark corners and shadows and i always liked music like i got into music when i was young i got into the velvet underground like lou reed and 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 he was always talking about new york city in that same kind of way um and the kind of dark underbelly of new york and that's typically not what you do in pop music when that was always like wow that's kind of cool that that somebody would go there (laughs) but um so I guess again to the first question, like when did you first get into music? Like what age did you get into music? Um, I feel like I was always into music. Like I used to write songs like in the bathtub with my sister when I was like three, but obviously <laughs> didn't think anything of it. I wrote songs for like my school school musicals. And then I think in my early 20s, I was like, putting a bit more effort into it but I still wasn't I wasn't really like thinking like that it was going to go anywhere um and I don't know it was just yeah it was kind of a process but did what, you start on a guitar? did you start on really guitar as a, as a you know, musician I know you're a vocalist and vocalists are your voice is your instrument but you also you seem to be very guitar focused is that, is that the first instrument you started with Um, I've always been a vocalist. I think I started with piano when I was in primary school and I was the worst at it. And I would like, we would have our exams and I would just pretend like I knew what I was doing and I would just make up a complete song and then be like, yay. But I think that was like my undiagnosed ADHD at the time. So, um, and yeah, I kind of just focused on like singing and vocalists and uh, that kind of stuff and then I got onto guitar pretty late in life like about 19 so it's kind of a new so so um I guess when I always ask people um I guess you realized early like you had a talent for music but when does that change to actually like wanting to write your own music there's a lot of musicians that become like classical violinists or you know people who do cover bands but it's a different type of musician that actually decides to be a singer-songwriter. When, when did you actually start to feel that you could, you know, craft your own songs, create your own style? Yeah, um, to be honest, I the first time I really thought that I could actually do it was 
the start of last year. Before that, I had written loads of songs, but I only did it as like a catharsis and I didn't really think about me as a songwriter. Like I didn't identify that to myself because I didn't really think I was like good enough to say that I was. Um, But then last year, I kind of just had this like moment where I realized how much I enjoyed it and I started performing live for the first time and I was like, I just took it a little bit more seriously. Yeah, because I, I was looking in your catalog. Nineteen. Yeah, because I was looking at your catalog on um. Yeah. Um, on on Spotify, you had the song "So Sad" that had like twenty two thousand plays on on Spotify. So that song seemed to kick off. So so with "So Sad," yeah. what, what kind of brought that about? Um, "So Sad" was, um. Well, that was written, obviously, from a breakup. Um, but that was, yeah, from my first first real boyfriend that I had, and that was from the breakup. And, yeah, um, that was written, like, and recorded, like, years before 2019. So I kind of took a while to actually release it because, again, I wasn't really – when I was recording it, I was kind of doing it more because it was fun, I enjoyed it, but I didn't take myself seriously. So. Right. But I guess you yeah. you found an audience. So you, did that did that song kind of uh, show you that people got got where where you were coming from? Um, a little bit, but it was kind of the the small little EP that I just released at the start of the year, which was actually just meant to be demos. And like, so since then, I've kind of focused more on like playlisting on Spotify and like things like that so that's kind of helped with um like my songs that I've got up there but I think when I released the last EP like I had more positive response from a lot of people I knew because people were like oh wow like I didn't realize that you could sing that deeply I guess because I'm like in person I'm a bit more like bubbly and light um and I think people are a bit like, oh, they saw your stick. yeah, <laughs> like that's some, that's in, that's... yeah, that's some deep, deep lyrics there. Wow, I, I think... <laughs> kind of in a good way and a bad way. Well, I think that's really interesting about singer songwriters because, like, I grew up, you know, I'm in my fifties, but um, I grew up in the seventies and kind of age as singer songwriters, and it's kind of this idea that you know, when 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 a musician gets that stage persona, somehow a lot of times it's not their stage persona is not exactly who they are in, in like real life. You know, like what they're able to do, like an actor kind of can become another person. And then you, you've seen it yeah. like with people like Freddie Mercury, Lady Gaga, Prince, like if they get on stage, they have this persona that's not what it is when you talk to them like face to face. It's like, it's totally it seems like they've become like a character actor and they can present present yeah. themselves in a totally different way and i think that's the great thing about music is it, it does have a lot of theater in it, if you realize that and, and when you go on stage you know some artists do it they kind of protect their inner self and kind of project this other part or they or freeze them when they go on stage and they, it's like catharsis like you said a lot of singer songwriters they write not just to even make it big it's just because they it, it helps them um, in their in their own life, yeah. And if, if they find an audience well, with it, then that's great. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. That was, yeah, exactly. That was the reason why I started writing was it was a catharsis. It was like fun or it let out emotions. So it was, yeah, it's, that's right. What you said. So, so it seems like you, you name checked some of your influences, like Atlanta Del Rey, this kind of film noir type of thing. Are there other, are there other artists that inspired you with your music that you keyed on when you're, when you're like, crafting your own style? Uh, or there's particular artists that you're influenced by? Yeah, my early influences were like the Cranberries and um, like Mazzy Star mm -hmm. and Jeff Buckley. Um, and then later, they're more, yeah, like Lana Del Rey. I like King Princess. I like Banks. Um, I like Wet. It's like, I think they're in New mm -hmm. York band um but yeah just kind of like I liked that early like singer songwriter like female strong vocalist from like the early 2000s late 90s so I think that influenced me a lot and then now I really I'm into like the dark pop kind of alt alt pop world yeah, to say, I was always like uh, very much I, I I started to lean toward female singer songwriters like Juliana Hatfield and Liz Fair uh and then also like uh Sleater Keeney um just because it seemed like they were doing things that like the the male side of pop like indie pop had not was not going there and I really was very much keyed into uh you know listening to female singer songwriters because they were bringing a different perspective um which is cool to, to, as a musician you always want to try to hear like something new and uh, I was, that's kind of why I've been a focus, even in my podcast, I tend to, to interview more female artists in this time period, just kind of feel like uh, women artists are actually doing things that are different than what's been done by some of the men in the industry right now. <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, I mean, I'm an African-American, like, experimental musician, you know, the bands I like are like Hendrix and Funkadelic, you know, jazz outfits like Coltrane and Sun Ra, so... I'm kind of in a in a category where I'm not trying to do like what's super popular. I kind of I'm I'm into like yeah. you know more kind of niche stuff, and so I, I tend to just want to go toward people who are really, you know, I want to hear something new, you know. So that's yeah, you want to hear something different. Yeah, yeah so that's cool. Um, yeah. So your writing style, if you're just gonna pin pin you down, you, you would you would you say dark pop is your genre, or would you say it's an indie alternative? Or if somebody's asking like what what category it is, what would you say? I think the category that I'm trying to just I don't know focus on because I have had like a hard time trying to like pin down what I want to be and like where I'm going to go but I think it's mostly alternative mm -hmm. pop with like the dark pop influences yeah I mean that's the zone I like to be in yeah. because you know it's really weird it's like if you say you're electronic like I'm a synth player but if I say I'm electronic a lot of people don't think I'm a DJ and I'm I'm not a DJ you know not that that's bad but I'm not a DJ so so I think like sometimes it's very important to kind of know like your where you are to know your market and to kind of know where you're pushing and it's uh it's just it's just, it's just interesting yeah. today and like there's so many people who are kind of cross genre there's people who are mixing like elements of hip-hop with pop and all well that's like things. yeah that's the hard thing isn't it because like i feel like the genres now are just so mixed that like 
you know when you have to you upload a song and then you have to pick what genre it is and you're like I don't even know anymore like I'm influenced by so many different kind of genres as well and like so many different styles of artists that I don't think I think music now isn't just like you know it's not just like rock or like electronic like it's it's got a bit of everything. Yeah, that's I why think. I kind of tag what I do yeah. is expansive sound experiments because I kind of want to be able to say, well, if I want to pull a little Johnny Cash, if I want to pull a little Dylan and then mix like Trent Reznor with it, that's what I want to do. And that's kind of hard to pin down if you're kind of crossing that far. <laughs> so you tend to say, well, this yeah. is experimental because that's what, what I'm doing. Um, but they want you to try to put put you in a category that you're you're like a DJ. It's like not really, <laughs> you know, because yeah. I'm using modes and rolling hardware synths, you know. So I'm not using like a Pioneer CDJ, uh, and so people get confused. Like they, I went to New York and they're like, "Oh, you don't just have a CDJ? I have all these road cases." And I said, "Yeah, I got a setup just like a regular band. You know, I'm not I'm, I'm not just going to come up with my SD card." in my cdj like i actually i'm actually gonna play yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so that's different um so so have you played live with with um in, in australia have you done live shows well, because of uh, corona you've been kind of like stuck um, in lockdown like everybody else yeah um well i started doing live shows last year and they were really really small like i started at a little burlesque bar in the city um and then i did some like kind of more well-known but like small venues like the workers club but workers club isn't that small but um and then sun i think it's called some velvet morning in melbourne it's kind of like Mm -hmm. a small cute little bar type um spot and then yeah this year we've like I'm in Melbourne, so we've been in lockdown. Like we haven't been able to leave the our five km radius, which is like mm. three mile radius outside of our house. Um, so yeah, all of our bars are closed. Like, so I don't know. I hopefully we'll get to play live soon. So yeah, that's been a hard thing for me. This I've kind of like, I've been talking for the last uh, year, or since like well, not year, but since like February when this really started hit. It's, it feels yeah, like yeah. a year. It feels like longer than yeah, a year. Yeah, I mean, it's really <laughs> crazy for me. And like this year, I finally got an international booker, and I got an agent that could have got me into like London. It could have got me into Berlin, and then suddenly, just when I got them, you know, Americans were like, "We we can't we can't go to Europe. We can't really go anywhere because we our our outbreak is so bad. We're kind of banned from everywhere." <laughs> and so it's yeah. like it's like oh great like finally I, I got a way to do it to get out there and then I can't get out there so I've been doubling down on like uh podcasting and doing uh like live shows from my home studio um have you looked into like online streaming or has anybody approached you to try to get into like online shows um I would love to at the moment it's just kind of like me and my guitar so I don't feel like it'd be super interesting Mm -hmm. but I have recently gotten TikTok and a couple of times on TikTok live I've kind of like just gotten on the guitar like spontaneously so I think it's interesting yeah (laughs) that's that's the shows that I've done (laughs) well I think it's like it's something that a lot of artists I've been talking to are starting to really think about like well maybe I really got to take 
this seriously and figure out how to present myself to the streaming world and see if I can get on like a, like I've been, I've been actually, you know, invited a couple of times and I'm in a process trying to set up to be like on like an online like tour. Like they're, they're, they're these now booking agents that know they can't get into the venue. So they're trying to set up like a bunch of indie bands to do like an online festivals and they'll, they'll do like, yeah. you know, half hours, every band gets a half hour. And every band, you know, has to, you know, stream from their, from their, like, you know, studio or from some location where there's nobody there or something, but the cameras are there. And yeah, it just seems like, well, you know, given what's going on and so there's vaccine, it seems like people have got to start figuring out there might be new ways of doing this. They're even like selling tickets. Like this new one I set, I got set up with has like tickets of like $5, $10, $15 and a bunch of bands are all on. And so there's some people are starting to think that out and say, you know, we, we might have to start doing that. Um, so it, it's just a investment in figuring out how do I present myself? You know, do I, do I get a video mixer? Do I get multiple cameras? Do I try to get some technology to make it more interesting to put backgrounds on a green screen? There's just a lot of stuff you have to look yeah. into compared to like what I normally would do is have to get a minivan and a roadie, you know, or a U-Haul and drive to New York and, and, and then stay in a yeah. hotel. So if I look at the cost of that versus the cost of buying this equipment and then getting to be on, you know, all these shows, it actually, if I start making money on it, it might work out. Um, it's true. And that's, it does sound fun, but I feel like, I don't know, for me, it's kind of just like missing like the, like the sparkle of like getting to play in front of people and like feeling the atmosphere. That's what I definitely yeah, I think the problem would be will miss, um, but yeah. then the yeah. problem with it is like a lot of bands I've talked to, they, they kind of feed off the crowd and, and if, yeah. if being a musician, if you can't get that crowd feedback, then it kind of feels kind of dead. It's like, you know, you, you could get into your song, you know, like as a musician, you can get caught up in your song. So if you, you kind of focus on, I'm going to try to play the best I can and present whatever. But without that feedback, yet you're missing like half the half the vibe, you know, because you, you're going to be passionate about what you do, but without being able to hear the audience, you know, feel it and then see the reaction. The, the musician, can we, you know, we feed off of that. It, so it's kind yeah. of like an actor doing a sitcom with a, with, with, there's no audience there. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah. it's way I can. have you seen like yeah they've done like um like talk show hosts and now they have like um like screens as their audience so it's just like the talk show host just talking to a bunch of screens yeah. it's just like oh how awkward but it's hard know. like it would be the way be it cool is if they actually could build a way to get feedback and i yeah, i'm an it guy so i i actually proposed to some guys it's like if you do an online thing, if you could actually get like a feedback loop that people hit likes or keep on saying they like it, that you yeah. actually get like applause coming through or whistles coming through. So you actually in real time get the feedback of people saying they like it, like coming into your ear or, or seeing it like, you know, in some way. So to kind of make it feel you feel like there's some kind of reaction. So so if you could actually create that. You'd want to. um. <laughs> Yeah, you'd want to change the buttons if it was like 
a sad slow song and someone clicked like and it was like Woo! yeah, yeah Woo! maybe it's a sad song it doesn't <laughs> someone's like singing like a sad ballad yeah that doesn't work on sad it's like if everybody needs something like more yeah it's hard to kind of pick up the vibe you know it... they can maybe do like a breath like a <sighs> yeah i don't know it's hard you know you're trying to create yeah. some virtual world it's like the vr world might be better like if you could suddenly get everybody's webcam and then somehow in the vr world you see like <laughs> like a thousand like little pictures of everybody from their webcam you know suddenly <laughs> showing up in, like on a screen that you can see and then you see the audience reaction i mean this is a way to get the feedback i mean it's just it's like, yeah, if you had cool. something like that where you're kind of in this VR world and you, you got the VR thing on and you actually see all your fans kind of and you see their faces and they see them getting into it, that might be more. That's why I was I was leaning towards something like that. Cause then that I, you know, it's a lot, you know, I don't know how many artists have VR because that's expensive. <laughs> Most people don't don't have yeah. it. So then that's like, oh yeah. But I think it's definitely a good idea. You should definitely get onto that yeah, I, think. I think it's something that you know if we get if this goes on for years and years then we're gonna have to go there um but um so what do you have you started to like collaborate with other artists you know other than like producers have you started to like say okay i i want to work with other people and kind of you know build build a, like a full band or or a connection with another artist or are you focused primarily on your own own act I think at the moment I'm focused on my own stuff. I'm still trying to like make my own way into the world, but I've definitely been thinking a lot more about like collaborating um, recently. But again, like I, I haven't like really like thought of anyone. I've kind of just been more open to it. So like when I see people from like Melbourne pop up, like I'll look into them just cause it would be a lot mm-hmm. easier if it's like local um and in regards to like a band like hopefully when we can actually start playing live again I'd love to kind of start creating like something like a little collection of people to like come along with me and like I get to know them and they get to know me and we play live together like that would be a cool thought but yeah at the moment it's just just me so you do a collective would you do would you have a backup band for your work like a band, a full band that represents your songs, like live. Well, the new song that I have has a bit of like trumpet and saxophone in it, and I would just like love if I could actually have that mm-hmm. live. Like that would just be like so much fun, I think. Um, but then it would depend if I like had more songs that had like the same yeah. instruments. But it depends. Like if you know, I got to know some people or. If I ended up getting paid a lot of money than I could pay different yeah, like, so you, musicians. Yeah, so you but... need a lot of solo artists. When they go, you know, live, then they have like their drummer and a bass player and a guitar player and the whole effort. You know, it's it's your yeah. brand, but it's like this is your this is your band. You know, there's an Otway band that supports you. Yeah, but other than that, because given like when artists are starting off, you know, you don't we don't get a lot of record company support anymore. You know, a lot of companies don't don't give you the advance to kind of give you that launch, so you can so you can have your band. So so then you kind of gotta go out yeah. there and do like unplugged or do it like in, in a, with with a CDJ or with a, a DJ that's running backing tracks, so you can sing over it. So like when you 
when you imagine going back out there, would you be more like having like a, a music director that's running like back and back and you singing over it or actually have a, a band? I I want to put it out there that I'll have, I'll one day get to play with a live band. I think I'm going to mm-hmm. say that. But a lot of artists, like <laughs> I've seen a bunch of artists, like in the last year, year that I've been talking to, they actually go out with like, just like a music director or somebody like a DJ with a laptop and like pro tools and maybe like, like, a, like a, some kind of MPC or like, you know, grid based controller. And then they, 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 that's how they, they present themselves when they show up on, on stage in their home. Well, that's probably my more realistic way of doing it. Like when I do get to play it only be small venues anyway, at the moment. So it will kind of just be like a little laptop or whatever but I'm hoping I'm just kind of putting it out in the universe I just want to be on a stage with like a band with the sax and the trumpet yeah, yeah. player and I just want to like yeah really jam it out well, I grew up like I say I'm a child of the 70s so when I when I went to see music you know I go see the almonds I saw the full band you know I go see the who I see the grateful dad I see funkadelic and I'm kind of like even though I play electronic music, like I mean, I play Moe's. I don't play CDJs. So I've always been more of like, I like to see a live band play because I like that interaction like you're talking about. And I like the improvisation. And like, I don't necessarily want to hear somebody play exactly note for note their song. I kind of like it when they deviate a little bit. Like I used to see Dylan and he would do Tangled Up in Blue with different lyrics every time he did it. Every time he, every time he did it, he didn't. He never did it. There's like four different versions of it. And if you see him, he would actually change the lyrics. And he actually had like multiple versions. And whatever he felt like, he would actually change the story, and change parts. And I think that's really cool. But then today, you got a market where a lot of people were like, they don't like that. Like if a modern band goes on stage and they take their pop song and then they change a whole section of people, like what? They want to hear exactly the way it is. And I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of like not what music is about. <laughs> At least for me, it's like I like to see an artist reinvent themselves sometimes. You know, if they feel like it because of an emotion, they, they change it. Uh, and that, that is okay yeah. because it's like it's art, you know. <laughs> I think like, yeah, I, I totally I totally get you. And I think. A lot of pop stars now do do that. But if you think about, like, I've the most watched, like, things that I've watched on YouTube are when um, Lady Gaga does, she'll be at, like, at her concert and she'll do one of her songs, but it'll, it'll just be her and her piano. Mm-hmm. And, like, she tends to change it up a little bit when she performs live, but I guess like when you're that big, you can yeah, yeah, she can do, do it. Whatever you yeah, want. I think like <laughs> some of the bigger artists will do it, and you know, but yeah, I think some of the pe- people today are kind of one of the problems is if you're if you're kind of like running off a of main stage, or you're running off your pro tools, you're kind of limited. If your backing track, you're kind of tied to your backing tracks, and so if, yeah, so if exactly. you do a show and you're set up like that. And you don't have a really good musical director that can kind of vibe with you. Like if, if you've got a musical director that can actually, you know, run the clips in a different order or change it up. But if you got a guy that's just like he's locked into it and he can't really change it, then you're going to be kind of stuck with the song as it was, you know, written. Um, 
And so it depends, you know, how inventive you get. I, I mean, I see everybody in lockdown doing lots of unplugged versions of their stuff. So it's necessarily changing because they're not doing the full version. But um, it's just yeah. cool to, to have, you know, that kind of the age when, you know, when when people could go see The Grateful Dead and like every night they're doing or Pearl Jam is famous for, for doing their concerts. And Eddie Vedder would just change it up like all the time. Like he he just constantly changes the Pearl Jam songs. He just has a habit of doing that. And Pearl Jam fans will actually go to mm. multiple, like they'll they'll go to like they'll be on tour and they'll do like three dates at the same venue, like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and the fans will go to each show because the way he's changing it. And so it's like worth going to all three shows because he changes it up every show. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. And so that's kind of like where my head's at. About I would, you know, I'll, I'll go follow Radiohead or Pearl Jam because there's there or Wilco because bands like that are still doing that. Um, but maybe it's not the most popular stuff anymore. But <laughs> I kind of stuck in that one foot in the past. But um, so what 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 are your thoughts about um like streaming services? I mean, I think we're talking because I was able to find your music on a streaming service. But what are your thoughts as an artist? with you know the way in the past we had you know cds and tapes and vinyl and everybody had to go to a record store to get it uh and now everybody can just get it on their phone what are your thoughts about the pros and cons of that i think the pros are like that people like me can make a song and without a manager or a label i can upload it myself like and i can actually work for myself and do what I want to do and then at the same time it's kind of like there's so much out there that it's like everything kind of does get a little bit lost in the madness and then especially with like streaming services like the amount of money I think you get per stream like I wouldn't even know what that is yeah I think even with like <laughs> I've yeah, even with like twenty two thousand streams or something on so sad, it's like a couple of dollars. Yeah, yeah. So you know, so you like know, you know what that rate, yeah. you know what that rate is? That rate is like point oh oh four of a penny. Yeah. <laughs> so it yeah, it's cool. Like you, a lot of like it's very accessible, but at the same time, it's like so many people are using it that it's hard to do it too because you don't really get a lot of that, like a lot back in terms of like finances. Not that that's the main thing, but it definitely makes it harder when you're trying yeah. to pursue it. I mean, yeah. it seems like today what happens is like, since your stream rate for in indie artists, if you're not a Lady Gaga, you know, Bruce Springsteen, our cut is like 0.04 of a penny. Uh, the bigger artists get a bigger cut. Um, but so they yeah. get closer to like a higher percentage of a penny. But it's still like a penny. <laughs> and And the question is, like, yeah. like the weird thing is like as a as a podcaster, I get my rate is way higher than my rate as a musician. And that kind of tells you where people value music today. Where like as a podcaster, I yeah. can make more money as a podcaster than I make as a musician. And so it's like, why is the world valuing that more than a musician? I was like, find people like it, just like people like YouTubers. YouTubers can make really high income compared to musicians. Uh, for playing a video, for playing a video yeah. game, and commenting on a video game, and I guess they're more like an entertainer in a different way. But why is ever since Napster and you know and iTunes and, and Spotify came on the scene, 
it's been like a double-edged sword because music has been somewhat devalued as, as, as an art mm. form. And how do we actually make a living at it? You have to go and do sync licensing. You have to do merchandising. You got to sell t-shirts. You can make more money. Like I make more money going to New York and selling a fan electric ghost t-shirt than I do selling my record. <laughs> yeah. And so that like that kind of makes you wonder like, why is it that people don't value music? In the same way they'll go pay sixty dollars for an Xbox game, but they can't pay ten dollars for a CD. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know how to answer that question, but I yeah, I feel that. I feel exactly what you said. And so that as an artist, we have to say, well, maybe I can get on the soundtrack of that video game and maybe I can get sync licensing so I can get 30 seconds of my song into a commercial. Um, and that's well, yeah, like commercial, commercial rates are great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then you get, <laughs> that, you get your yeah. fans say, oh, you sold out and say, well, you know, well, 0.04 <laughs> of a penny doesn't really pay those. So like if I've got to sell 30 seconds of a song to be on a, on a TV show, or or, or 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 an independent film, or you know, to get twenty, you know, a mi- two minutes on a on a scene on an independent film, and I make more money than I make in a year from Spotify. Then you know, if that's selling out, I'm sorry, maybe I'm gonna do that. <laughs> yeah, I I think there's no shame in having a bit of a sellout moment, for sure. Well, sometimes it's cool. Like if you go and you do the sync licensing, like an artist like myself, like I'm a, I'm a keyboardist, I'm a synthesis. So I can do, I can do ambient music and I can do stuff without lyrics. And so if somebody needs like a mood, I can go on my Roland or my, all my synths and I can create like a mood piece and people might not even know it's the ghost. I just sold it and it's in a, in a film or something, but like nobody even knows it's me. And so I, I can fund my other projects with that work, you know, well, yeah, there's there's that too. That's being a bit crafty, I think. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's like you know, then then you don't get the kind of hit from your audience because they don't even know it was you. <laughs> yeah. You know, but that's so but true. It's kind of like it's like you know, I think the audience has to understand like you know, if 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 you end up getting on a jingle, well, you know, that's how your artist is going to be able to get to you. You know, that's how they can support a tour. If they can get that income from some other, something else, so so what, what? I guess that kind of vibes into like what is the state of the music industry? What do you what do you think you know it is in this in this year? Do you, you have thoughts about you know things that could be better or things that you feel are good about it? Um, no, it's it's a bit tough right now. Like even with like TikTok, a lot of the time, um, like someone might have their song uploaded to TikTok and then people will just cut it up and change it and kind of like DJ it on yeah. the app. But it gets no, it can get no credit for the song that it was actually taken from. And I feel like there's a bit of like an issue at the moment with like, yeah. with that and like the music industry. Like it is really hard to, kind of make a song and then get even like sometimes credit for it because like it can be used in like a meme or something yeah yeah um yeah it's like a little bit scary in that way but um I I don't don't know I'm trying not to think about that kind of side of things too much I'm more just thinking about like 
just doing it because I like doing it and if something good comes out of it then that's a good thing and if not then oh well well I think yeah I think every singer songwriter does it because they're passionate about it like I've been working since I was 17 and I'm in my 50s and and only in in the last two years have I started to actually do you know pretty pretty well but if I was waiting for that moment, you know, when I was 17, somebody told me it was going to take till I was 52 to do well. I probably said, well, well I'm not going to do it. But I kind of did it because, because <laughs> I, I love to do it. And I, you know, got other side gigs. Um, but yeah, a lot of it is because of what you, you know, you're like a musician would say, hey, if you can, can you play this gig? And it doesn't even matter if they don't pay you. They just, they, they feed you or they put you up like, yeah, I'll go to New York so I can get in front of this crowd, you know, or I'll go to LA because I can do yeah. this. Look, if I can go jump on somebody else's record and somebody wants me to do it and like, okay, we'll work out the pay after. It's always been more about like, okay, can I get the exposure? Can I do, can I actually play in front of somebody, you know, and that's kind of like, if it works out financially, then fine. But a lot of musicians, that's kind of, that's what we do. It's like, if I get an opportunity to, to do the work, I'm going to do the work, you know, you have to do, you have to think exactly. about like, are you getting ripped off or something? But a lot of times, like you're so passionate about what you do. It's like, okay, if I get an opportunity to play in New York, I'm going to play, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, it's kind of like the money is something that you think about, but it's like a lot of times it's like, okay, if I can get the exposure or work on this, then, then you, you're going to work on it. Just because you love it. Yeah, totally. Just do it for the sake of, loving it i think so so like now you said like you're you're in this corona kind of lockdown and um you you're kind of limited in what you can do so like all the work that you do on your music do you just do it from your home studio do you have to like send it to your producer and send it to an engineer how how are you actually going forward with projects and stuff um i've only recently just started learning logic actually and i've done a bit um on my own in logic at home um even like some of the vocal recordings i've done on my own as well um but then i've worked like before we had a lockdown i was also working with a producer um tobias priddle and that was on this next single fallen angel and so we'll kind of, it's like a, that was a home studio as well. So it's more like homely kind of vibes, nothing like, no like big, big, big studio spaces. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the mixer was in Sydney. So we just sent it to them. But it's a cool thing today with the modern technology is like, you don't have to go to Sunset Sound or Olympia or Electric Lady or all the big old studios that everybody had to go to, to get a sound, you know, now yeah, you can you can pretty much do all that in your home. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. pretty much. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I told I've had a home studio set up for the last five years, and you know, in some cases, like I, I, I I've sent stuff to producers where they went and used their studio instead of mine because they had a better, they had like maybe a knee board that I could run through, so they could run something through and get better better sound because they're using better processors. Um, and preamps and all that but yeah a lot of times you know for what i like to do in terms of indie kind of lo-fi music I my home studio can kind of can do it 
and I you know I could run through some things and, and and pretty much get it to where I wanted to be. So I I noticed that a lot of artists are really doubling down. You know, everybody I've talked to since February is saying, "Well, I'm learning more about Logic, or I'm learning more about Ableton, or I'm learning more about Mainstage." They're all kind of because of the situation. It's like, okay, I'm gonna really take it serious and I'm gonna learn some of this stuff so I can keep on recording. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, and it was like I even surprised myself. I think because I always thought like I could never learn how to do that and yeah I've just been like I used to more like write songs on my guitar and then now I'm starting songs in Logic so it's kind of like changing up my songwriting a little bit as well. Do you find that because you're doing that now you're saying well now I can bring some violins in or now I can bring some horns in or I can bring these pads in or I can bring samples in I I can use clips I can I can start to be like you know the way George Martin was with the Beatles. So you get the difference between yeah. like help and Sergeant Peppers is suddenly like help is kind of like the band just being straight, you know, recording in the studio, like, a, like a band, you know, just sequentially or like all together. And then when you get the Sergeant Peppers, you suddenly, okay, well, I can use backwards tape. I can use all these weird, uh, you know, overlays and, and start looking at music like a canvas, um, yeah, it's definitely it's definitely opened things up for me. It's a lot of fun, but at the same time, you can go way too far with it. <laughs> like you can just get a bit too like weird yeah, I guess. <laughs> and like kooky, and then you're like, "Hang on, what what is the song? <laughs> like, what am I doing? I've just got like a weird horn sound coming in here now because I did this at two a.m. and then this part I did at like ten a.m. It's just acoustic guitar, <laughs> but um. It definitely, it, it's made it interesting and good, but I like definitely know at times I can get a bit too carried away with it. Yeah, I think it's kind of like how far do you get into that Phil, <clears throat> that Phil Spector wall of sound? Because like, like, like the problem with like multi-track recording is, is like you can get deviate from the honesty of the original demo. And so like my kind of test is if I go back and I look at a project and suddenly I got like 24 tracks on something I started that only had four. And if the if the original four track version is more honest and it sounds, you know, it really is is a better track. Even though I did all this work mm. to make it have twenty four, if if I, I'll make a decision then you know what? The the thing that the, the, the demo is actually more is closer to the truth. So I I actually release the, the, the version that's closer to the demo than the one that's got so much work on it. <laughs> oh that's so true I feel like the demo is always so close to your heart and then when you like whenever you start working on it or like get it mixed or whatever you get it back and you're like oh this is so different to what I like originally thought the song was gonna be but I don't know song like you have to also get used to like the songs changing which is what I've gotten used to with this track because I think when I started with it it was more acoustic and then the way it's ended up is way different but I also like really love it so yeah I mean there's something about crafting a, a song and making it a hit or making it more accessible yeah so it's like once so I mean if if all that crafting you know makes the song like a better song and it's just tighter and it, if, it, if it's a fully finished work 
versus the kind of spontaneity of the original. Mm-hmm. It seems like that's why you you always get these archive collections. Yeah. Uh, that that will go, you'll go back. I just listened to like an archive collection of Princeton Signed at Times, and it's like eight hours long. Wow. And and it's got all these demos. And the thing about Princeton demos are like they could be released as finished products because he was kind of crazy. I mean, in terms of the level of work and the quality on them, they're like they're like Hendrix. Like you could listen to Hendrix outtakes, have different versions of his solos for any of his songs. And I'm a big Hendrix fan. And you could say, well, yeah, that could have been released and it's just as good, but it's just the feel of one versus the other. And the Hendrix made a decision like I like the feel of this one versus that one. Uh, but they're technically all good, and they all have different kind of vibes. So it's like it's like it's kind of like how do you make that decision as an artist? Which which one do you leave on the cutting floor, and which one do you put out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's always it's always interesting. So, do you have like friends listen to your music and kind of give you an opinion <laughs> as to which version you should put out, or you would kind of make that decision yourself? I just make it on my own because I I can like feel too much. So if I have too many opinions, it can get a bit too confusing for me. So I just find to like just stick with my gut and hope for the best, I think. I think it's a good way to do it because like once you, you know, music is very personal and if you bring it to all, you know, I have one best friend that I have listened to stuff some, from time to time. And sometimes I listen to them and sometimes I don't. I would say probably like 90% of the time I, I am informed by what he says, but I'll still go with what I think I want to do. Um, <laughs> um, but it's like, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like some artists like want to have more feedback and other artists are like, you know, I know what I want. Yeah. You know, it's kind of a, a personal thing. Cause like your music is like, you're, like some people like Prince used to call his music like his children. <laughs> you know, they felt like, yeah, he actually said it in interviews, and like, I felt like the songs are like my children. So he felt very close to them, and he's very kind of protective of them, and had very, you know, strong opinions about how he would, you know, get perceived or what, what he was going to do with them, um, which was interesting. But yeah, I mean, artists can kind of go, go all different directions with that kind of level, but. Yeah, I think um, I think a lot of artists get really, like, connected to their work and it's hard to sway them once you start working on it, I think. Yeah, because, I mean, you could, you could work on something and you're really, like, I think, like, your favorite song in your own catalog usually is, like, w- wildly different than what your fan's favorite song is. Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, cause you have, like, a personal, like, time that you put into something and that might be like where I really this is the one that really pulls my heart but my fans like this one you know and then that sometimes becomes like the like the core thing and like like if you got a song that becomes number one and your fans love it but you're like after a while like well I really I really don't like that song as much as the fans like it (laughs) and I I, I'm kind of here and my fans are there but I guess I got to keep on playing that because that's what the fans like. <laughs> but that's, I think as you get to be popular, they run into that issue where they've got like this one song that they got to play all the time that after a while they don't, they really aren't into it, but they kind of got to, they got to do it because it's like you're paying the bills and what the, what the fans yeah, want. Yeah, yeah. 
Man, everybody, I guess everybody would love to be in that situation when you're an indie artist. It's like, well, I'd like to be there. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, so so it's like when you see a bigger artist playing about it, you're like, well, you know, I guess that's a good problem to have. <laughs> I know, right? Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> It'd be a good problem to have. It's like, oh, yeah, everybody's sick of Hotel California. Everybody's sick of, like, you know, Freebird. But that that's that's what that's why you've got the fans in the in the crowd. <laughs> <laughs> so so um besides this new single, is this part of a bigger bigger project or is are you just pre- working on singles or you is this toward like an EP or an album? Um, I think I'm just working on singles just because singles are way easier to kind of market at the moment in like the current climate, but uh, I'd love to do an album, but it just takes a lot of time when you're independent, um, just cause getting people to like work on your schedule to get something done mm-hmm. is just so hard, um, that it would probably take me like a really long time to get a complete album out. So I'm just kind of taking like things as they come. So just like one step at a time. So I think just singles, um, and yeah, I don't know about the bigger picture. I'm kind of I think maybe because of like how the world is right now, I'm just, yeah, just taking things as they come and doing yeah. it for like the enjoyment of it. Yeah. I think singles that the way the market is on the streaming services, is like the best thing. The only thing I, I, I like about like um, EPs or albums, like the one thing that I noticed, at least in the States is if you, if you take like an EP and you put it on vinyl, or you put it on tape in a, in a small batch of like 500 or a thousand. And then you, you know, you go to New York city and you play a gig, you can sell all those and and you can sell them for a pretty good amount of money. And you actually, even though it's a small batch, you can actually make more money than you make streaming. Um, so, so in that way, those, those album or EP formats are good for that. Mm. Um, and so, so if you're like, if you're indie and you're like self-funded and you put out these old projects that when people can buy your, your CD and then they, they get the artwork and they get the, a poster or something, it just gives you more merch to sell as a band and, and something that physically gets into the hands of your audience. So, um, you don't have to go and create a, a giant batch. There's small companies that at least in the States that allow you to make like micro batches. Yeah of stuff so it's actually possible to do um but it, it was dependent on being able to tour yeah true. <laughs> and, with, and you know I, I have not been as successful on my website selling that stuff then i if i go to new york or boston i was able to sell it because i was physically there um so i've been kind of holding off you know and being a, and doing what you're doing like singles just because they physically can't get to the venue yeah So, so um, yeah, this has been really cool to talk to you, and I, I wish you a lot of luck with the new single, which we'll, we'll get in the States, I think, tomorrow. Yep, um, yeah, it comes out on the 18th, States. like, worldwide, so I think it, it's different with different time zones. But, um, yeah, thanks for having me. Um, it was really fun to chat, and I'm going to get ready for bed because it's 11 p.m. here, so... I know it's early yeah, morning well, for you. Be, <laughs> well, this will be out within an hour. 
Uh, yeah. We're, gonna, you know, we're on we're on eleven platforms. We're on Apple Podcast, uh, Spotify, Radio Public, Overcast, Google. So, and we have integration with Instagram, where the Spotify version of this podcast will be able to be um, put into a story and a highlight. So we will start to push this out in the next hour and we will put a story up on our Instagram. You can use it as well. That will allow people to go right from the, the hyperlink on Instagram, right to the, to the interview. Awesome. I'm so excited. Thank you. Yeah. So thank you. And have a great night. And uh, we, we look forward to talking to you in the future when you have other projects that, to, to, to communicate to your fans about. Awesome. All the best. Good, thank you.